are able to share the truth. You are equipped by God, by the Holy Spirit, to share the truth and to do miraculous works uh, in this day and age. So we talked about uh, we talked about being a church of love. We talked about being a church uh, that, that believes and is founded upon the manifest presence of God and the importance of the presence of God as we share the gospel. Today I want to talk to you about our third core value. Uh, Covington First Assembly is a church founded upon the Word of God. Now these first three, actually all six of them, that's not one of less importance. They're all in the same plane. You just have to uh, put them in order, I guess you could say. Uh, but we teach the Word here. We actually expect people to live out the Word in their lives. It's nice to know as a pastor when I get up in a pulpit and I share a passage of Scripture, it's good to know that people hear it and I can expect them to live it out in their lives. Now, it may not be that everybody is 100% okay and right all the time. Bless God, even your pastor is not 100%. I wish I was, but I'm not. But it's good to know that, that you expect me to live out my faith just like I expect you to live out your faith. There's never been a time in my life in this church where I've ever come in and sat down and looked up at the pulpit at our pastor and thought to myself, good grief, what in the world is he teaching? We've always had the Word involved. From the time I was a little bitty kid with Pastor Allen standing up here and saying glory and doing the kick and the stomp and the clap. From the time I was a little kid up through all of our other ministries. Listen, I've never once sat in here and heard people just teach opinions without the Word. So when we share our faith, when we reach out to the lost, we must share our faith as it lines up with the Word. You can't come up with some other idea of faith to make it comfortable for the other person. The Word is the Word is the Word. And at some point, the Word has got to be interjected into that conversation. A person has got to hear it. Listen, I, last week, uh, we went over to Becky's father's visitation, which we still pray for her mom and family. Is your mom back home now, or is she still with you? Is she here? She's, she's with you. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, maybe you didn't shower and she's not sitting with you. But <laughs> Becky lost her father here a little over almost two weeks ago now. But um, we went over for that visitation. And on the way there, uh, we were kind of pushed for time. So we hit good old McDonald's at Crawfordsville on the way over. And I ordered a chicken sandwich and it had chicken and bacon. And it was, I don't know what it's called. It's like a chicken bacon like club thing. I don't know what it was. But I didn't want a burger. I wanted chicken. So I, that's what I ordered, and we got our food and, and threw it in the bag, you know, the bag's over the side, and I'm driving 70, 75 miles an hour down 74, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I'm eating my fries, you know, and, you know, don't, hey, whatever you do, don't text and drive. Eating and driving's fine, just don't text and drive. <laughs> so I'm driving down 74, and I'm eating my fries, and I get my fries done as far as I want with them anyway. They weren't that good that night, so I pass them over to April, and I said, sandwich, let's go. So she hands me the sandwich, I pop open the box, and I look at the sandwich, I grab it, and I'm like, it's kind of light. So I drive with my knee, as anyone should, at 75 miles an hour down 74. And I look, and I said, I think they give me the hamburger version, because I couldn't see the big, nice, glorious, golden, thick chicken. Well, as I pulled back the bun, I saw the condiments, I saw the lettuce and tomato, I saw the sautéed onions... They forgot my chicken and bacon. I got a sandwich with no meat, y'all. Fat guy driving 75 miles an hour down 74, probably 20 miles away from Crawfordsville at this point, 
in a time rush trying to get to where we need to go and the fat guy doesn't have chicken and bacon on his sandwich. Listen, you got to share the meat, otherwise people get frustrated. Can I get an amen? Huh? You can, you can fluff up the gospel all you want to. You can put it in a nice package. The box of this chicken sandwich said chicken and everything else on it. But when you open it up, there's no chicken. You can put it in a religious covering if you want to. You can tell all these nice things, nicey nice things about Jesus and wonderful me and this and my life. But if you never get to the meat, to the truth that we are lost and that we needed a Savior and that Jesus Christ came and died on a cross for our sins and that His blood was shed on behalf of us, for us and that it become an atonement that covers us and also heals us. If you never get into the meat of it, people are going to walk away just like I did with that chicken sandwich. Disappointed, discouraged, and feeling deceived. Well, this in hungry. Yes, thanks, Lisa. <laughs> all those pots of chili back there that say chili, best have some meat in them. That's all I'm going to say about that. We need the Word. If we don't have the Word, we're going to have problems. I think of Israel prior to the law being given to them. As the law was being given to Moses, they sit at the bottom of a hill and they could see the manifest presence of God. They had already experienced God's love. They brought, he brought them through the, 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 the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And now they, they've experienced His love. They've experienced now His presence. Our two things we've covered. But they didn't have the law. They didn't have a word from God. Moses was up receiving it. And what happened? While Moses is up there, God says, go back down there. Those people have turned away now. And what were they doing? They were going crazy. They were, they were living in a drunken orgy and had been bowing down to a golden calf. And then even the chief priest, even Aaron lied about how the calf was produced. Well, I threw the gold in and then out came this calf. You're a liar! People will live, listen to me, people will live with a form of religion if they have love and if they have some form of God's presence and they've seen it and recognized and experienced it. But if they don't have the Word, they're going to get sidetracked. We see it all the time in our culture. We see it happening consistently. So you say, Pastor, why is the Word so important in evangelism? Number one, it's the truth. It's the truth. And we live in a deceived generation. We live in an absolute deceived generation. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Basically what Paul's saying there in that first part of that passage is, is that we can't deny there's a God just because we look at what's been created, we can see God's workmanship in it. So what that's saying is, is important for us that none of us are without excuse. We've had enough revelation of God to choose whether or not we're going to believe He exists or not. Just by what He's created. However, God's given us more than just creation. And why did He give us more? Because creation in itself wasn't enough for us to really and truly grasp and understand who God is. Listen, people do it all the time. People can't get past creation. Paganists. Pagans. They worship 
through their creation. They worship all kinds of, oh, there's all kinds of gods, Pastor. There's all kinds of, what they do is, is they go and they draw energy from certain parts of creation and they have little crystals and all these things. Why? They're, they're, they're worshiping creation instead of the creator who created it. Listen, you can look at the animals and step back and say, wow, you know, God is, uh, God is pretty magnificent. When you look at all the colors, the shapes, and the different uh, kinds of animals that have been created, you can step back and say, what a powerful, creative God we serve. But a lot of people don't. They worship the animals. Because they don't have the truth of the Word to show them who God is. You can look up at a starry skies and a starry night and go, wow, look how vast and awesome God is. But folks, you've got to move beyond that. Because and, and, if not, you'll be, if you're not careful, you'll start worshiping stars instead of the one who created them. And we have to be careful. The human body in and of itself is a beautiful thing that God has made. When you start considering all of the different things inside of the human body that are fashioned together and work together so that life can be sustained, you step back. Just as we're starting to understand the, uh, uh, the gene code, we're starting to understand DNA, people go, wow, there's a God. But it's got to move beyond because if, not, if we're not careful, we begin to worship man. We begin to worship science and the human body. Listen, we need the Word of God to show us the truth of God. Paul even said that he didn't know what sin was until the law had shown him what his sin was. The word is vitally important to us. Look on in Romans 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they, claim, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. We just spoke about this. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth. Everybody say truth. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. We have got to be careful because if we remove the truth of the Word of God from everyday living, there are guidelines, there are standards, there are boundaries that we are to live within according to the Word. And people want to create religion and life outside of those boundaries. And when we do that, we invite sin into our lives by the truckload full. We have to understand and comprehend that when we remove the truth of the Word from the church, the people will live in depravity. It's just the way it is. Over the last uh, week, they've been talking about the 70-year anniversary of Auschwitz being liberated. And folks, I have not been able to get Auschwitz out of my mind from the moment we just, I don't know why, I've always known about it, but this last week, for some reason, it just stuck in my spirit. And I kept uh, looking at it and going on Google Earth and looking at the area. Talk about a massive complex. Unbelievable. But there are places, if you go onto Google Maps and you go to Auschwitz, there are places where you can do road view and you click on it. And there are places where you can do a 360 view in the middle of Auschwitz and look at it. They sent people through the tour. And uh, one of the places that they go that you can do a 360 view is inside one of the barracks where people were kept. Pretty amazing. 1.1 million people were killed. And uh, 90% of those were Jews. And then there were other people as well that were killed throughout that process. Why do I bring up Auschwitz? I bring up Auschwitz because Hitler purposefully 
went through the church and brought his agenda into the church and passed it down and demanded that preachers preach his agenda until people were able to treat human beings as though they were not human. When truth is removed, mankind is capable of absolutely anything. So when we share our faith, we have to realize that a person that is in this condition is a person that Paul says they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So if we're going to share our faith with somebody, we have to bring them back to the truth. Because they're in the condition, because they've rejected the truth. So we must bring the truth to them as an opportunity to receive it again. James 1.18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. The word of truth, folks, is the gospel. The word of truth is the recorded message of Jesus Christ. The word of truth will speak truth on every situation, every condition in life, and lead us to Christ 100% of the time. And if we have no truth to offer, we have nothing to offer, and they will remain in bondage. I can't help but think of King Josiah's day in uh, 2 Kings 22. You don't have to turn there. You can look it up later. Uh, when you're, when you're tired, well, there's not really a Super Bowl worth watching tonight, by the way. Nobody wants the Seahawks to win and nobody wants the Patriots to win. <laughs> Look it up during the Super Bowl. <laughs> King Josiah. Here he is reigning. He's brought in as a young boy reigning over Israel. And, and, and uh, one of the, the priests come out and said, hey, we're cleaning up the temple and we found... The book of the law. They had totally lost it and, and ignored it for so long. And Josiah gets it and reads it. And when he reads it, it stresses him out. Because he realizes the truth. He sees the truth. And when he recognized the truth, he said, we must go to God and sacrifice and do something because I know he is not happy with us because <laughs> we are not obeying him. We have to, in some way and somehow, not to beat people with the Bible, but expose them to it. Share with them and let them see who God is, his holiness, and to understand that there is a law, there is an expectation, and it will wake us up. So it's important to share with people, number one, because it's the truth. Number two, the word is necessary because it is able to make us wise unto salvation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you turn there, that would be wonderful. Because so we're going to read a few verses out of this section. Passage of Scripture I know you're all familiar with. Verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those who, from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, don't get sidetracked, Timothy. This is Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's saying, don't, don't, don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on some other process. The tendency for mankind, folks, is to drift away from sound doctrine. People have a tendency to drift away from truth so that they will fit a religion to their needs that will make them happy or what they want in their life. 
But the foundation of our faith is found in the Scriptures. They're key to salvation. They're key to all wisdom. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you want to know God, you must know the Scriptures. You mustn't just know about them. You must not just have an educated opinion about them. You must understand them and hold them in the utmost respect because these are the eternal words of God. People will try to read them and twist them and change the interpretation to meet their own needs. But it is the Word of God and it needs to be handled by the understanding of this is the judge of the universe. By these scriptures I will be judged. By these scriptures I will be held accountable. One day you and I not as a church, not as an organization of the Assemblies of God, not all Christians and believers all together at once, but you and I as individuals will stand before God, the books will be open, and we will be judged according to this. Period. That's why we must handle it carefully. That's why we must teach it respectfully. Amen? We must not try to twist it like people are trying to twist our Constitution. Like they're trying to twist uh, Scriptures in the Bible to get us to agree to certain things. Listen folks, God is not manipulated. The Scriptures, if they're raised up and used properly, will lead us to salvation. I actually believe, I am actually silly enough to believe that if a person picks up the Bible and they begin to read it, that they will come into the full knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm crazy enough to believe like Brother Greg and the Gideons believe. I'm just, just silly enough to believe that if you put the Word of God in somebody's hand and they read it, it will lead them to salvation. That's just the way it is. Why? Because the Word is clear that that's what it's supposed to do. The purpose of Scripture is that man would come into full knowledge of Jesus Christ. This has been happening since the very beginning. Moses wrote in the, the Pentateuch, the, the first five books of the Bible, the law of, the Mos- of Moses. Listen to what Jesus said about it. A lot of people get frustrated in like the book of Leviticus and other places like, oh, this is awful. But if your neighbor's donkey falls into a well and you go over and you don't help in this and that, listen, I know people get worried and get caught up in that stuff and frustrated, but listen to what Jesus said about it in John 5, verses 46 and 47. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Even the early writings of the Old Testament. Jesus said, look, Moses wrote about me. The entire scripture is about Jesus Christ from the beginning to end. All of it. Every single page Every part of it is pointing toward Christ, is pointing toward salvation. This is important because we are headed into a season, or in in one right now, where people are not putting up with sound doctrine, or gathering around themselves a great many teachers to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. And we know that we live in a time when people will study the Word not for wisdom, not for salvation, but to find something they can twist out of context to use for their agendas. Just remember this. If they're studying the Word, even with the wrong mindset and the wrong attitude, the Holy Spirit can lead them to truth. So begin to read. If you want to reach out to your neighbors, you want to reach out to your friends, don't abandon the Word in your life. It's a necessity. Okay, We are going to have to speak truth. And the only way to battle, excuse me, 
The only way to battle this attitude in our culture of deception is by shedding the light of the truth into it. And the only way that's going to happen is by God's people being able to adequately flip through the word and say, well, Jesus said this. Well, God said this. This is what, look what, look what here is in Proverbs. Look right. So if we can do this, we can adequately lead people to Christ. And also, which is number three, the word will mature us in our faith. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctification speaks of a continuing work that will take place in the lives of believers. At our moment of faith, when we repent of our sins, we're justified. In other words, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, but God declares us righteous even though our lives don't look that way. Sanctification is a work that's going to take place throughout all of our lives as we follow Christ and is a work of spiritual maturity that will last a lifetime. So when you lead a friend to Christ, they are not completing the journey, but they are starting the journey. Amen? They're just beginning the journey. So the Word is necessary to help them be sustained in that journey by helping them become sanctified, to help mature them in the faith. And the only way to lead them deeper in Christ is by the Word. 2 Timothy, look at chapter 3 again, verses 16 and 17. Paul says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. People get lost in this one because they've devalued the Scripture. Pastors that preach their opinions set themselves up for ridicule. People who teach their opinions or reach out to others with opinions rather than the Word set themselves up for ridicule. Because I can tell you this, a person that is in rebellion, that is, that is angry at God or anything else, can turn the Scripture on you quickly and leave you confused if you don't know it. So don't teach your opinions. Teach truth. Amen? The Word of God is, 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 is God-breathed. It's God-breathed. In other words, God breathed into it. Where do we see God breathing? Through Scripture. We see Him breathing into Adam. And Adam, in Genesis, He becomes a living soul. God breathed in Him. He became eternal. We look at where Jesus comes in with the disciples, and He looks at them and He says, Peace be with you. He breathes on them and says, Receive you now the Holy Spirit. So now we're talking about the Word of God. We're talking about the Bible that is God-breathed, that God breathed it into existence, that God breathed His Spirit into it, which means it is full of the presence of God. You say, Pastor Bob, it's an inanimate object. It's the book. It's a book. It's got pages. It's made of paper. How can it be full of the presence of God? Open it up. Open it up. You know, I, had, I used to I have, as a pastor, you get a lot of weird questions, just so you know. Um, People will worry. It's like, Pastor Bob, if I have a witchcraft book in my house, does that mean weird things are going to happen in my house, Pastor Bob? Well, first of all, why do you have a witchcraft book in your house? Secondly, what power is there inside of that witchcraft book? And if you replace the witchcraft book with a Bible, what difference does it make if you don't believe it? I don't know. If you put the Bible on top of the witchcraft book, is that going to solve your problem? You see, these things have power when we open them up and believe them. 
When you pursue witchcraft and you open it up and you read it and believe it, yeah, there's going to be some element of power and you can expect some kooky things to happen in your house when you're trying to go to bed. But you putting a Bible on the coffee table and never opening it doesn't change your life. But if you open it and believe it, you can expect God to move. Because it's living and it's active, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing, dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You open up the Word of God, and I promise you, if you open it up and you believe it, or you lead that person that you've led, led to Christ to open the Bible and believe it, it will become alive to you. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to turn, you know, cinematic and jump around and dance. I'm the Bible, I'm the Bible. If it does that, you need to put your witchcraft book away again, okay? Because it's doing weird things. I'm talking about when you open it up and suddenly you recognize something and you go, Oh my, I have something I need to repent of. Wow, my attitude was wrong in that the other day. I need to call somebody and apologize. Wow, I guess I shouldn't have looked at that. Wow, I guess I shouldn't have said that. I, wow, I guess I... Suddenly, it's alive and you don't even realize it. I loved the day that uh, April, one day, she was always like, she goes, you know, she goes, God doesn't talk to me like he talks to you. I said, okay. She's like, you're going to have to talk to him because he ain't answering me. This was years ago when she was unspiritual. Okay. <laughs> And I laughed at her. We were in youth ministry. And I said, what are you talking about? Well, he just doesn't talk to me. I've asked him and he's not telling me anything. I don't know if God talks to me. He talks to you. You ask him. And I said, okay, whatever. And we changed the subject and went on. And she goes, oh, let me tell you what I'm going to do with this. And she had some plans and visions for th- some things she's going to do with the girls and girls group. And she had it all written out on paper. And it was this thought with scripture, this thought with scripture, this thought with scripture, this thought with scripture. And I said, I thought you said God never talks to you. She said, he doesn't. Where did all this come from? Well, I just got that out of my devotions. God was talking to you. Oh. Oh, I guess he was. Listen, folks, if you want to hear God's voice, the easiest place to hear God's voice is where he spoke. Amen? Everybody's always looking around. Oh, find me a prophet. I need somebody speaking in my life. Oh, somebody. Oh, I'm waiting to, to, to. They had this weird Moses movie on years ago where Moses would go onto the mountain and it was like he was in this weird trance. And then God would speak to him, Moses. And he'd hold his head and his ears. And I just kind of looked at it and I'm thinking, that's what people think it's like to hear from God. No. It's a still small whisper. It really is a gentle voice. It's a gentle tug and leading of the heart. And the easiest way to hear it is by cracking open the Word of God. He done spoke it. All you got to do is hear it by reading it. And then it becomes alive in you and the work is done in your spirit. And suddenly you say, wow, I guess I can hear from God. I didn't think I could, but I can. It's real easy. That's what it's designed to do. He will mature you and grow you as you listen to the Word, as He speaks to you. So, lastly, in light of these things, I want to encourage you to maintain a love for the Word and speak truth from it into the lives of others. 2 Timothy chapter 4 now, verse 1. Paul tells Timothy this, 
In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Paul's instruction to Timothy was this, preach the word. When we get married, we receive a charge. We make a binding covenant in the sight of many witnesses. And the most important witnesses in the room in that situation, when a couple makes a holy covenant, are God and Jesus Christ. You swear for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness and health, to love and honor, to cherish. Paul made a charge in front of the same witnesses to Timothy to preach the word. This is, this is, this is where our core value comes from as a church and as individuals and the importance of the word. It's a covenant that I have made personally before God. For my ordination in the assemblies of God, I had to make this covenant personal, personally before God that I'm not going to preach or teach my opinions or anything else. And when I accepted that call, that's just the way it is. It's uncompromised. And it is a for better or for worse covenant. We don't do this. We don't do this. We don't teach and preach just to get people to like us or anything else. We teach and preach the truth because that's what God has said to do. And it's going to make some people mad. And it's going to bring some people to repentance. And some people are going to say, well, gee whiz, pastor, that was really harsh. Or wow, this was that. Listen, we're going to teach truth and allow the truth to do its work. Some people it's going to soften and they're going to repent, and some people it's going to harden, just like it did Pharaoh. Unfortunately, that's the process. But there's faith that God is trying to do His work and His will through it, and we know, we know that He's going to do it. And folks, if you can, hear me on this. If you hear nothing else this morning, remember, your charge to share the Word is a for better or for worse covenant. There are some people that are going to love you for sharing the Word, and there are people that are going to hate you for sharing the Word. There are going to be people that are, they're going to adore you for the truth that you speak, and there are going to be people that mock you for the truth you speak. But if you will be faithful, and you will hear the truth, and you will apply it to your life first, and help other people apply it to theirs, God will bring about fruit in their lives. I promise you, I guarantee you, it will happen. Because the Word is alive, it's living and active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it will divide, and it will work, and will build up. Listen, it is like surgery. Every time you open the Bible, you do spiritual surgery on yourself. And every time somebody else opens up the Word of God, it's an opportunity for spiritual surgery to take place in their life by the Spirit of God. If you do it, do not change. Do not change the truth because you're afraid you're going to offend somebody. People have to be offended. The purpose of the Word of God is to offend us. It's to wake us up out of our spiritual slumber. It's to stir us. I don't like getting woke up by an alarm in the morning. But it is the alarm in our life that's going off saying the time is short. Get right. Nobody wants to hear that. But the truth is the truth. So don't compromise it. Don't shift it. Don't change it. Don't be afraid because people are going to say things. Listen, people are always going to say things. You don't even have to be a Christian for people to say things about you. Social media has, has put, put talking on steroids, man. 
It, it, it's, it's going crazy. You, you can be run down, divided, destroyed in a day's time, in about three hours' time, like you have never been destroyed in your life. Who cares? Share the truth. Paul was so adamant with Timothy as Alyssa comes. He says this in Romans 10, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Folks, have beautiful feet. I can tell you this about feet. Feet aren't beautiful. The older I get, the more I look at my feet, the more I realize my feet ain't going to be any better than anybody else's. But I've done enough nursing home visits, hospital visits, know that feet aren't beautiful. Amen? I don't know why they go bad so quick, but they just do. But it doesn't matter what your feet physically look like. If you're the person that carries the gospel to somebody who needs it, you have beautiful feet. This is the most random thing that just popped in my head. I know. Go ahead and take a deep breath. I was... I was watching uh, Saturday morning. I had a day yesterday where I didn't have anything I had to do at all. It was wonderful. It was the first time in a long time I just sit on my couch. But on Saturday morning, I was watching these like animal shows, like I don't know if it's Corwin and Sea Rescue and all those things, and I like watching that stuff for the fun of it because I don't pay for television. I don't get that kind of stuff very often except Saturday morning. So I'm watching these shows. And this guy goes into this pygmy village. I, I don't... And they were talking about these pygmy people who used to live with the gorillas, but they pushed the people out for the sake of the animals. They had people had to leave their home to protect the gorillas. And this guy goes into this pygmy, pygmy camp, and all these little people, they were the cutest people I've ever seen in my life, come up, they're still living primitive. But this guy walks in, and all of them just stand up, and they start clapping for him and doing this. They couldn't speak the language. But they just kept doing this for him and smiling and nodding their head, clapping and putting their hands up. And I thought to myself, I wonder if those people know Jesus. And this passage went through my head. They're so excited to see this guy, but he doesn't have beautiful feet. What's he going to bring to them? He just came to talk to him about the gorillas. Have people gone to them and shared the faith of Jesus Christ with them? Have they had an opportunity to repent? You see, folks, that's what this thing is all about. It's to take the Word of God to places where people need it. In Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11, As the rain and the snow came down, come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. This morning, that's what the Word's going to do in your life. That's what it's going to do in the lives of everybody you come into contact with if you will live it out and you'll be brave enough to share it. Will you bow your head with me this morning?